Welcome to WCSU 411, a podcast about people and achievements at Western Connecticut State University. Today we're recording in the basement of Whitehall with Veronica Knausis, the director of WestCon's Library Services. Veronica is an expert on cataloging. She knows all about books, and she talks with us about all the new ways that libraries are changing to meet needs of modern-day students and the rest of us. Afterward, Barbara Viegas will tell us what's happening on campus. We go a little crazy with Barbara today, but now let's talk with Veronica. Thanks for joining us on WCSU 411, Veronica. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. And it's a great chance for us to learn more about the library. Absolutely. Everybody should know about the library. I know. I agree with you. <laughs> so how do students today use the library here at Westcon? You know, it's interesting. Um, more students today are using the library building because of the Einstein bagel shop that's yep. in there. Um, and I think that's entirely appropriate. Uh, libraries are about buildings, they're about services, they're about resources, um, and it's great that the building itself is serving a purpose um, for our students. And and as we now we know that they're in the building, we are hoping to make sure that they understand what the services they have available to them are as well. Mm-hmm. So do they, um, are the students still coming in and studying there and uh, yeah, looking through so, the racks? Yeah, not so much looking through the stacks. We don't find so much activity in the in the book stacks. There is some. Um, so the libraries are trying to respond to modern, more contemporary ways of that study. Back in my day, um, and maybe yours as mm-hmm. well, studying meant going to the library, finding a study carol, and putting your head down and studying quietly. And today, it's a lot more in the flow of their social life, their their um, their friends, their their music. They're listening to music. They're doing all kinds of things at the same time they're studying. So, we do find, especially the first floor of the library, is sort of a beehive of activity. Students using their computers, doing research, um, writing papers, meeting with their groups. Um, some of them studying quietly with their headphones in. And of course, as you go up the floors of the library, it gets quieter and quieter. The fifth floor being a designated quiet study space. Hmm. So if you do need that that quiet time, um, that's that's where you can go. But uh, it's it seems like we're and we're trying to respond to those needs. Like how can we provide those spaces that are flexible and responsive to those to the students, and at the same time um, be able to deliver some of the resources that they need. Now we know that everybody tends to Google things um, and we used to say again back in the day that you can't do that you're not quite sure what you're going to find on the internet but the reality is you're finding really good stuff on the internet now we need to take you to the next level because you can find even better stuff in some of the databases and some of the resources that we subscribe to for on behalf of the students right so uh, the databases that you have are Mm -hmm. wide-ranging and Mm -hmm. just all sorts of subjects Mm -hmm. so if a student's assigned something in any class uh, I assume a lot of their uh, direction from the professor is going to be look up this subject in the library they can do it electronically because there's all these journals and things out there uh, almost 50% of what we offer is now available electronically. Um, maybe even more than that in terms of the databases and the journals that we... we it's a stunning number. So I just did some statistics for, for a national organization the other day. We have access 
full text access to nearly 70,000 periodicals. Mm. We're not going to need all those periodicals. You know, the, those things are, are um, they're, they're uh, aggregations, kind of like your cable uh, subscription, right? Mm. So you only watch maybe four channels, but you have 150. Um, and it, it works the same way in, uh, in scholarly literature, um, publishing and aggregation. So, um, but we have a, a access to a stunning amount of information. Um, it's a matter of finding it. And if you're not given, or if you don't have, take the opportunity to kind of find out where you should be, it's a little bit difficult to kind of, it's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack. So we are starting to, the library itself, the librarians are starting to look at ways where we can deliver those resources to the students closer to where they're doing their work. So um, I like to describe it as libraries used to be, or traditionally are what we call poll organizations. Faculty member says, go to the library and find it. The student comes and has to pull the information, has to kind of look around, ask questions, and try and find that right information. And we're going to need to transform ourselves more into a push organization so that when we know that there's a class being taught in X, Y, or Z, we know the resources that are going to be most useful. We push those to the students. So whether it's in their Blackboard course or um, through Twitter or through whatever, say, if you are writing this paper, try this X, Y, or Z database. You'll find that you know you get the most useful resources out of there. Or if you're looking for statistics, try this. If you're looking for scientific information, try that. It's, it's a lot to put on students to say um, kind of get, take yourself through this overwhelming amount of information and find the best. Mm-hmm. And that's what librarians are really good at. And we're just trying to invent new ways, innovate new ways to deliver that information so students can, can get it at the point of need. I would have said a few years ago that uh, uh, what you just described was it would never happen because you know you have all these librarians who have to learn new ways to do things and students who have to learn new ways of accessing uh, information. But the transformation of this library and libraries all over has been pretty quick yeah. over the last say decade. Mm-hmm. The transition. I mean. A, Ten years ago, we were talking about, oh, we have to be more digital, and uh, there was very little, you know, not that much digital. Right, there. right, right. Yeah. And now that's what everybody looks for. Right, right. Um, and it it makes sense when you look back at it. Um, I think that we all had a difficult time anticipating it a little bit, even though we heard about it, we could see what was happening in other areas. And when you talk to people about libraries, I'm not sure if you have this um, the same experience, but I know I do. Like, occasionally we'll survey our users and say, you know, what do you think? Almost all the reactions are positive. People have warm, fuzzy feelings about libraries, Mm -hmm. Um, but they can't necessarily articulate why they like libraries. It may go back to my mom used to take me to reading hour at the library, spent hours when I was a kid, you know, discovering new things in the library. But when you get to a point where you're in a college situation, you're all about efficiency. And honestly, there is nothing more efficient than if you're working from your residence hall, you're working from home, you're working from your apartment, and you need some piece of information, and the library is closed. Mm. It, it's it's good. It's it's it makes sense. It makes it efficient. And and again, the way modern scholarship looks and works right now, 
there's no choice. It has to be digital. It has to work into people's workflows. And people are working all the time, everywhere, not necessarily, I'm going to take these three hours, I'm going to go to the library, sit down, get all the books I need, check them out of the library, bring them home, stack them up, read through them. It just doesn't work that way anymore. It's like, oh, I saw something on social media. I saw, you know, maybe an article or I saw maybe an idea. I'm going to follow that. And to be able to follow it digitally is the most efficient way to do it. So we're trying to get better at it. Honestly, the generally, but even here, the the library staff, faculty, and staff um, are still we're still making that transition because we have warm fuzzy feelings ourselves about how we went through school. And so you know, it's kind of you, you kind of think, well, if I did it this way, then um, others should do it this way too. But we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. Um, we have made a lot of progress I think in the last you know right you said decade but maybe five or six years Mm -hmm. um, towards understanding what it means to go digital and harnessing that Um, and we have we still have a long ways to go and and that goes back to that idea of pushing now we've got it we've collected it Mm -hmm. we've starting to describe it we're starting to get better at um, putting it out there for discovery Um, and now we're going to start pushing it to people it's expensive too to make that transition right um, it is expensive. Um, it, it is expensive, but I want people also to hear that it's expensive to run a library no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, libraries are generally on college campuses and everywhere, but on college campuses, what some people refer to sort of as a money pit because their money comes in and the only way that it comes out again is in educated students which is great it's fantastic but there's not like you're not going to get a degree from a library you're not mm-hmm. going there's nothing there that um, is sort of a, a product of the library so um, it's sometimes difficult to justify the money that goes in mm-hmm. and, and that's why we need to be super cognizant of using our budget and our, our financial resources as again effectively as possible and getting the students the information that they need um, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily more expensive than print hmm. now print I mean again until I became director of this library I, I'm not sure I even understood what a huge undertaking a print collection is to manage because it takes a lot of effort, first of all, to select the items that you're going to buy, mm-hmm. to put the order in to buy them, then they come in the mail, and you unpack them, and you label them, and you strip them, and you um, make sure that they're in the catalog, right? And then you put them on cards, and you put them on the shelves, and then 10 years later, you go up to the shelves, and you take them off the shelves, mm-hmm. or, and in between, you're dusting them. You're, I mean, a, a print collection is really a difficult thing to manage. It's just a, a lot of work to manage. So. Um, although it is expensive to acquire digital materials, it's less expensive to manage them because you do it from one spot. You do it with a click of a button right. instead of a lot of human resources kind of moving things around. So it's a trade-off. Um, and we know, um, so it's easy and easier to manage a digital collection than it is to manage a physical collection. Um, and we know that the students are using it. So it, it I don't, makes it worth it. Right. Yeah. So there's still a lot of books in the library. Yeah. <laughs> um, although fewer than there used to be. Uh, I know there was, there was some consternation on campus um, a few years ago. We no longer have um, a large reference collection. And I'm going to start talking about spaces. Um, I'm assuming that most people listen to this podcast are familiar mm-hmm. with the Haas Library. Yes. Um, when you walked into the library at behind the glass elevator, there used to be filled 
book stacks filled with what used to be called the reference collection. A reference collection in a library is the collection of materials that used to be like um, encyclopedias and dictionaries and things that we libraries believed lots of people need to use at the same time so they never left the library. That's the definition of a reference collection. Things that stayed in the library and they were for quick reference, looking things up. Um, and we noticed uh, as time went on that fewer and fewer people were using that because that is what Google is good for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I need to find a quick fact, you can Google that. Wikipedia, in fact, there was a, um, a piece of research that was done years ago um, comparing the accuracy of Wikipedia to the accuracy of Encyclopedia Britannica and Wikipedia won because wow. it's so quickly updated. Now, of course, there because it's it's community updated, it still has some issues there, um, but it can be very accurate because once you print a book, it's not accurate anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Things move on. Anyway, so um, so we were noticing that people, fewer and fewer people were using it, and we thought this is a lot of space, and this is when that transformation, we started noticing the transformation that... Um, the Haas Library didn't really have a space, as spaces, wide open spaces, which we're looking, students were looking for. Um, they may not have been articulating it, but we could tell from from trends around the country that that's that's students were looking for things like that. And then I looked at it and I thought, these this is probably the most beautiful space in the library. It's got these big, gorgeous windows, and it does look out on a parking garage, but still, there's some green space there, um, lots of light, and here we are just taking it all up with these books that nobody is using. So we, we decided to cut it down by half, and we went through a huge project where we um, actually threw away, got rid of about half of the collection, which is very controversial in libraries, mm -hmm. but is a really important principle for libraries. It's called weeding, and it's important for us to... We can't keep growing the collections. They can't just keep getting bigger. Otherwise, it, the library would be the entire city, right? You just can't do that. So it's important to carefully get rid of things, to cull things out of your collection. And we hadn't done that in a really long time. So we ended up being able to cut down the reference collection by half, and we took down half the stacks, put some tables in there, and students just sort of flocked to it. Hmm. So shortly thereafter, we're like, well, how about the rest of this space? And we didn't end up getting rid of any more of the reference collection. We ended up um, weeding the what we call the circulating collection, the books that can be checked out of the library, and moving the rest of it up to those shelves. Um, so the information is still available, the resources are still available, um, but they're not taking up this kind of valuable uh, real estate on the first floor of the library. So um, it's worked out okay. Again, we don't circulate all that many books anymore. Um, so uh, we feel like it was the right move to use our space more effectively. Um, so it, it's still controversial. Throwing things away from a library is always going to be mm -hmm. controversial. So. You didn't stack them up and burn them, though, right? <laughs> I did not stack. We did recycle, though. Yeah. We did recycle. Well, Actually, good. that first time there is a an organization called Better World Books. Oh yeah. Um, and so that first time we did donate um, lots and lots and lots of them to Better World Books. Um, we haven't done that since, um, and that's because that there's a, a limited market for reference materials specifically, um, and that's what we would be getting rid of mostly still as reference materials, but. We're in we're in pretty good shape right now. The stacks are pretty pretty good right now, and we're really not growing that print collection mm -hmm. at hardly at all. We're trying to grow the electronic collection more than the print collection, and plus our budgets are lower than they right. used to be. So everybody's are. <laughs> what uh, so what kind of print books can people find up there? Are they all related to 
the courses that are taught here? Yeah, we do all of our, and again, I'm using all these library terms that nobody knows. Um, we do all of our collection developments called collection development mm. um, based on the curriculum. Mm. So when there are new courses that come up, we kind of look at the, we we are tracked into the KUKUS and the, um, all of those um UPBC and KUKUS and the, um, the, all the curriculum committees. So we're kind of kept in the loop of what, especially new programs, new courses. We don't really, you know, there's usually not too much that we need to do, but if we have a new curriculum coming up, we have a new program coming up, then we need to look at and make sure that we have the resources available to support that, that program. Um, and so we will then acquire things specifically for new programs. We will look at what um, faculty members are teaching and try and make sure we have the materials that support those things. We have what's called the liaison program. So each librarian in the Haas and the Young Library um, is assigned to a department or departments, and they are to keep in contact with those departments, with the chairs and the faculty members in those departments, to kind of say, what is it that you need? Are we not? Are we missing something? Do we need to um, get anything in specific? Um, do we need to bump up the collection in a particular area? We have. Um, Journals are what people usually want, mm -hmm. and uh, we try and get those electronically as much as we can. Our journal collection has has diminished greatly Your over the, the print journal collection, mm -hmm. um, and I think we're down to just a few hundred um, that we still get in print. And again, they're they're kind of lonely up there on the third floor. Um, but uh, we do try, and and then there are accreditation issues that we mm -hmm. need to make sure we're supporting the the resor with resources that will. Um, for accreditation purposes, so that's that all kind of gets into the mix there. Um, it's it's again. I think we we are at a point where we have we want we need to it needs to keep evolving, but we have a really good collection of materials, and now it's incumbent upon us to make sure that people are using those materials. Mm -hmm. So, and you have a busy computer lab. Yeah, that, uh, I always see students there. It, yeah, although less than maybe five years ago, really? we used to have, when that lab first opened, maybe that was 10 years ago, the lab first opened, I'm losing track of time, um, the people would stand in line oh. waiting for computers, like it would be completely packed and people would be standing along the, so we added more computers to the um, to the rest of the library to kind of alleviate that, and that kind of worked for a while. Now, more and more, I'm noticing, and this is all anecdotal, I haven't done any real studies on it, that students are coming with their own machines. Um, they're coming with their own laptops, and so they're setting up in different places. Now that we have ubiquitous wireless, um, they don't have as much of a problem getting to the materials that they need um, using the wireless. So, so uh, more and more, I see when you walk through that computer lab, there are a lot of people there, don't get me wrong. It's just that some, you can see open computers, which never used to be the case. So, um, so it's interesting. And, I, and I, again, I see more and more students kind of crowded around a laptop and, uh, and mm. behind the elevator instead of um, around one of the computers in the computer lab. I, we may be getting to a time, and this is not my bailiwick, this is uh, for IT&I, I guess, um, to that the idea of a computer lab is sort of going to be outdated soon, I think, because I don't know that you need to be in one space and students need um, less concentrated help with that. I mean, the idea of the lab was to put everybody in there together right. and have a lab assistant and make so if anybody had questions about how to use, I don't know, Word or Excel, they had somebody ask. And that's still the case, but I just don't think they need to be as big as they used to be because 
people are pretty self-sufficient at mm-hmm. this point. Our students come in with some pretty good skills um, already. So I'm so we're always looking at ways to partner with IT and I to see if we can rearrange some of that because that is good space on that first floor too. That might be nice for other kinds of uses, um, more individual or group study spaces or something like that. So um, we're constantly looking at how how we use our space in the building. Um, so that again, we're we're being as effective as possible. As you know, I, I'm veering off now. So tell me if you want me to come back. The the writing center is now on the third mm-hmm. floor, and the tutoring resource center is on the second floor. And we're looking at ways to maybe get them on the same floor, um, and maybe even bring the library reference librarians up, the people who help with research, up to the third floor to make sort of a one stop shop mm. for students. Um, we're also finding that uh, students very well understand what the writing center does for them and what the tutoring resource center does for them they understand less well what the library does for them in yeah. terms of personal services yeah so we're going to look at how we can make that clearer to them right it's yeah. interesting yeah although i know when i go in there the librarians always are very helpful and do which is what they're trained to do but they always uh, help me figure out what i either what figure out what I need or help me find what I know I need. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trained to do and exactly what we're supposed to do. So I would say to any student out there, it should be your first point of contact. If you're not sure how to, to approach a problem, come and talk to a librarian. And we're very, we've been, many of us have been doing this for many years. Um, and it's sometimes what the way the way it works is we call it again more lingo we call it a reference interview and when somebody comes in and asks a question we know how to ask questions back so Mm. we can really find out so often a student will come in and say i need books on capital punishment and so the reference librarian will take that and say okay let's talk about this a little bit more what do you mean what is it and it may come out to be sort of a, a completely different question, like I want to look at racism in the justice system, which is not the same as capital punishment. Mm-hmm. But through the question and answer um, piece of it, the librarian is able to kind of get to the point where they're really helping the student and can find the right resources and the right databases for that student to use to get what they need. Um, so it is an underutilized resource in my mind um, that they need. They, I think there are some barriers to approaching somebody who looks like me this is a podcast so you can't see me but you know obviously um older and um more of an authority figure i'm not sure how to put that but they may look a little grumpy maybe hey i never look grumpy you no. um they aren't really grumpy they just look that way way. well when you get concentrating on something right um but We're looking, I'm looking at the models of the tutoring resource center and the writing center where they are peers who are doing the support and the help and wondering if perhaps there is a way for the library to kind of follow that model as well so that the first line of defense could maybe be a peer research tutor. So when they come into the library, they see somebody who is their peer and can ask that question and then have that person be highly trained. Um, to get them to that first level and then do that handoff to the library and say, okay, I've taken this as far as I can take it. I'm not finding how can we help this student move along a little further. So there would be a relationship. Um, They can see, they can work with somebody initially who, who is their peer and then be handed off 
there's just sort of a maybe a little bit more elegant to mm-hmm. uh, to do that. So we're looking at ways. We're always always trying. I'm always trying to think of ways to make sure that uh, we're reaching the students where they need to be reached. Do you think that uh, higher ed libraries, college libraries, are farther ahead the in the process than municipal libraries? I actually do not. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think we're catching up. I think academic libraries are catching up. Now, there are some outliers. Some academic libraries have been, you know, light years ahead. Um, but libraries like ours, we're, we're catching up. I think that uh, public libraries have transformed themselves into community support centers much before academic libraries did. I think we held on to that, um, I'll speak for this library, um, held on to the idea of being sort of that sacred study space, sacred uh, educational space, a lot longer than the municipal libraries did. And uh, they have done some really fascinating things generally in the in the country um they took advantage immediately of any kind of internet or electronic um, resource available to them they have created um, spaces and uh, responsive organizations to to help people kind of move on further in their lives and i think that the uh, academic libraries still have a lot to learn from the way they have been responsive to their communities um, it takes a little longer to get things changed in an academic library. Mm-hmm. I think academia itself tends yep. to be one of that big ship that's hard to turn. Um, so, so we and we like to discuss things. <laughs> um, fact, librarians here and at all the CSUs are faculty, academic, you know, teaching faculty, AUP faculty, and so it, we tend to have that. Let's discuss this mm-hmm. until it's perfect. <laughs> um, so. But we're trying, and we're we're making some strides, and I think that uh, people are coming around to the idea of um, what I've been talking, discussing as something called design thinking. Have you heard this term, design yeah. thinking, where you 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 say this is we're going to design something, but it's not going to be. We're going to try it, and we're just going to keep adjusting it. It doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to make it make sure that we can anticipate every single thing that happens. We're just going to try it and then and then adjust afterwards. So we're getting there. Um, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Change is very scary. And when I look back, even when I look back, so I said earlier to you before we started that I've been here 17 years, and I look at how the library has changed in those 17 years, it's pretty stunning. Um, and it continues to change sort of at a rapid pace. And I try, as director of the library, to be very sensitive to the fact that not everybody is as comfortable with change as I am. Like I'm like, whatever, change. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but not everybody is um, is that comfortable with it for good reasons mm-hmm. because change can be, you know, change isn't always good. Well, um, you mentioned it as a sacred space yeah. and a duty, and it, yeah. there's a lot of truth to there that. There is too. a lot of truth to that, and I think one of the one. Of, Sometimes when I say things like we have to do X, Y, or Z, the the what gets communicated is the pieces of your job that you sort of that you that you built your career on are no longer valuable, mm-hmm. which is not what I mean, but that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It really does because now I want you to do something sort of completely different. So um, so it's difficult, and I I get it, I understand. Um, and so we we try I try and make sure we kind of adjust in we have to step back a little bit and it's okay things don't have to go immediately 
just respecting the fact that people are not as comfortable with it as I am. Right. So. But, you know, the, as you know, well know, the library and every campus and really in every community is kind of the center, a centerpiece of uh, what goes on there. When students come in for yeah. tours, they always go to the yeah. library yeah. It's and they want to know what yeah. do you offer here. Yes. And uh, so it has to be something they're interested in. It's true. It's true. And, and again, and that, that forces us, I hope it forces us to be responsive, um, or to be proactive. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the, you know, that's a big reason behind, uh, I, I look, I approach my job as sort of entrepreneurial, like, let me go out there and see where we fit in. I don't want to change our basic function, our raison d'etre, our, our mission is to connect everybody with the information that they need that's what we do whether it's a book whether it's a database whether it's an article whether we do it in person whether we do it virtually whether however we do it our, our the mission of the library has not changed to, to every reader his book is what it, it comes down to mm -hmm. so um so but how can we deliver that how can we affect that through different partnerships through different collaborations so I was very excited to have the Writing Center in there because they do a similar thing. The Writing Center does a similar, not exactly the same, but similar. Um, the Tutoring Resource Center, for sure, the similar thing. And I think that, that these three academic supports, the library, the Writing Center, the Tutoring Resource Center, are very integrated, should be very integrated. So now we have them physically in the library, and now we need to work on philosophically integrating them so the students understand um, what... They, what service is appropriate when, and they can sort of bounce back and forth and get everything that they need in one place instead of saying, we'll go to Berkshire for this and go to... So it's kind of like what they, um, uh, like a learning commons, we're mm -hmm. getting to the point where it's going to get like that, or an academic student success center or, you know, different <clears throat> terminology for, uh, depending on where you are, but... Um, just sort of a one-stop shop for students to get everything they need for their academic success. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that happening, and especially as we go even more digital, and uh, you can um, you can definitely study a lot in your dorm room or in your home if you're a commuter. So you have to start thinking about what's the building used for, right? right. And it becomes a resource center and right. a community center. Exactly. So. Exactly. Some place where people can gather and still get assistance mm -hmm. that they need. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Uh, so I have a question. Maybe you can solve a uh, argument that I'm having with my wife and kids. <laughs> I have a long commute, so I uh, get a lot of books. I've figured out that I can get books digitally, mm -hmm. either on uh, CDs or now on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Mm -hmm. And I've been uh, consuming books mm -hmm. more than ever before mm -hmm. and I'm a, you know have been a pretty good reader but now I um, every day I'm consuming yep. these books mm -hmm. and so I say oh I read this great book and my daughter who's 15 says dad you listened to a book you didn't <laughs> read it so what do you think is the right terminology I, I you read that book yeah. yeah you is you got that information you learned from it you absorbed it you experienced it I know that um, there is something that happens when you sit down and read a book, when you, you know, that that cognitively, and, and Robin Gustafson can probably talk more about this, you know, that the, when you, your visual, the, the connection that happens when you're reading, like, but, but from my perspective, from, from my library perspective, it 
content is king. You got that content. You you even if you listen to it, you absorbed it. You're learning. You're changing. Your your brain is processing that information. I feel like you read that book. And this may be because I spent a long lot of years commuting myself, and mm. I loved listening to books. Sometimes it was the only way I could get through a book. And I use this example all the time, like all those Russian novels. Mm-hmm. I could. I kept getting hung up. Like I did not know how to pronounce those names, and I kept getting hung up, and I'd have to go back and back. But I listened to it, and somebody read me those names. I'm like, I get it. I know who everybody is. Right. I can keep everything straight. So I feel like it's a really powerful way to consume it. Um, I still like to read sometimes, but I love to listen to books. You know, sometimes they have actors who read the books yeah. and they do all the characters. So it's engaging. Incredible. Yeah, it's really engaging. Um, and again, I, I don't think that I also love to read. It's mm-hmm. not like I would recommend that you only listen to books, but it's a great way to, I really find it's a great way to consume literature. Hmm. So I win. You win. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the librarian says you win. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Really I really enjoyed our conversation. Here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my Good pleasure. Luck. As all our regular listeners know, Barbara Viegas joins us now. She's going to talk about upcoming events. There's a lot going on here on campus. And as it turns out, there's a lot going on in Barbara's life, too. So we take a little bit of a break and talk about that and about her coffee addiction, which she is not trying to break. Okay, Barbara, we just talked to uh, Veronica Kanausis, who's the director of the library. Have you ever been in the library here on campus? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, I go there all the time. Good. Mostly what do you the, do there? I usually go to the Writing Center. Like, that's, uh, like, really, really helpful to me. No kidding. Um, yeah, mostly just because, like, in JLA, legal studies, like, there's a lot of, like, research-based things that I have to write, like, really long papers for. So it's always good to... Um, you know, take it to the writing center and make sure it's all right. And people are really annoying about APA format. So mm-hmm. like all the citations and stuff, it's like super annoying. I recently Especially got, those professors. Yeah, the professors with mm-hmm. what I'm saying are really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I go there a lot actually, like more. They already know me over there. <laughs> they do, that's good. And how about research? Do you do that? In the library? Mm-hmm. Um, I use the library resources like online, like the the databases and stuff like JSTOR and like um, like uh, Lexis Nexus and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, um, but I don't usually go in the library for like yeah, you physical don't have to resources. Anymore. Yeah, it's like so you're a great student. Like. I like to think so. Yeah. yeah, good for you. I was half afraid you'd say no. Where's the library? Uh, no. Good. Um, so yeah. what's going on? Okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm kind of going to hop around. Um, but one of the big things that's just been announced um, are the senior weekend dates. Um, so May 10th is the senior toast, May 11th is the senior cruise, and May 12th is the Mohegan Sun trip. Mm. So I went last year, even though I was a sophomore. Like I went because um, I was part of the committee that planned it, and I got to go like for free and everything. So it wasn't like super expensive for me. But because um, like we went early and like set everything up, so that's why. Mm. But it was so fun, even On being the cruise a sophomore. Or the, uh... Everything basically. Oh, everything. I mean, I. I didn't go to the Mohegan Sun trip because I couldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I could, but, you know, I just yeah. sit outside or something. <laughs> now you can, though. Yeah, now. Right? Um, no, I can't. You but can't? You're not 21? No, I'm not, actually, in July. Well, then, well, two weeks ago, you were telling us how you were at a bar. 
<laughs> I was with my family. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I can sit at a bar and not drink. You can? Yeah, yeah, you can. Oh, Depends on the hour that you go. I go like for dinner, you know, like I sit. <laughs> okay, we'll skip Let's that. Just... <laughs> I'm 21. Let's just do that. All right. Are you 21? Yes. Yes, let's go with that. Um, okay, so the senior cruise is the best part, honestly. Um, I went to that one last year. It was the first time that they did it. In, well, not the first time, but like the first time recently that they picked um, the New York cruise as opposed to like this other like spirit cruise thing that they used to do that was like really not, it was like just not okay. Like mm-hmm. I, I never went on it, but I heard a lot of things that it was just like super ugly and like mm-hmm. small. This cruise that we went on, if it's a, I'm pretty sure it's the same one as last year. It's gorgeous. There's two floors um, and there's a, deep, there's a beautiful staircase to go upstairs um, and... Yeah, it's just really pretty. There's a huge dance floor and everything. It's very, very cool. There's good food. Um, and for those who drink, two bars. So And having a good staircase is important. Yeah, it's really pretty. And so, yeah, it's like Titanic. Good. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really fun. So the prices are going to come soon. Like you can look out for them. But um, the dates are already set and everything's pretty much booked. Um, so that's pretty good. That's a great way to end up your se- your education career, though, right? If you're a senior yeah. and to go out with a big bang. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I might be attending this one because I think I might be graduating, possibly. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, like, looked over, like, my program sheet and everything, and, like, somehow I can graduate, kind okay. of. So, so you're actually, super smart, so you're graduating ahead of your class? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I applied today, so. No kidding. Yeah, just to see, like... Because if I take like a CLEP exam, then I might be able to, you know, take a few classes in either the summer or the following semester and like hopefully, fingers crossed, like walk in May. Sure. Well, uh, what about your being a uh, on the executive board of the SGA? Yeah. So that's the other thing. So I applied today so I can see my options because I, of course, like I love the student government and I really want to be a part of it. And obviously, if I get elected or like. So I'm going to take everything into consideration. Right now I'm running because I don't know if it's a possibility. It's still a possibility. It's like up in the air. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what's happening with it because I still have to talk to everyone and stuff. Um, but of course, if, um, if I end up knowing that I can graduate and walk in May, like I d- definitely will resign hmm. and let it be fair competition. Like I wouldn't do that, of course. Is somebody running against you now? Yeah, there's, there's two running against me. Wow. Um, so as much as like I'd love to be VPSR, like if I can graduate, I definitely you know, will, because it'll save me some, sure. some money and time. And these people running against you, is it because they don't like the job you're doing or what? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't really talked to them. Um, I know that one of them just, uh, his, his name's Oscar. He used to be like the IRHA president. Um, and he kind of just, I guess, I don't know if he got like bored of that or like it just wasn't working out anymore. Actually, I think he actually still is the IRHA. I'm not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But he basically, he just wanted to get more involved, I guess. So um, he decided to just run because I guess he likes events or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, if I end up not like, it's not like I'm choose. it's kind of just like up in the air. I'm just trying to like dabble around, see what my options are. Um, but if that, that ends up like not working out, like I'm definitely like committed to student government and everything for another whole year. Cause, um, honestly, like if I, the thing is like, if I lose the student government, like I financially can't do another whole year, Mm -hmm. um, without like the benefits that SGA provided me. Um, so I'd have to, I mean, I can graduate in another semester anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so that would be either like if I get voted in as vice president, I can do, I can afford to do a whole other year. Um, but if I don't, then I definitely will have to graduate in one semester. Hmm. 
I don't totally get all that, but it's like a multi-part series. It's good for the podcast. People yeah. will tune in to find out what happens to Let's Barbara. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see right. if Barbara can graduate. Um, yeah. There's also the spring uh, car show. It's um, April 14th, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 43 Lake Ave Extension in Danbury. Um, it's $10 for show cars, uh, free walk-ins, and WC3 apparel will be available. And I'm pretty first, sure it's at the commuter lot. Is that what it is? Up at West Side, yeah. yeah. That that first lot on the right as you go up the hill. They should have just written that. They, that's that's forty three like every extension that. is West yeah. Side. So I'm I'm fairly certain it's it's at that lot. Yeah. There. Yeah. And is this where you can beat up a car with a sledgehammer? Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> if you show up with a sledgehammer, I feel like someone would like kill you. Huh. Uh, no, this is definitely like the nice cars that they want to like show off. Um, and the proceed benefits Spaghetti Arms. That's the name of the. We don't charity, know what that is. I have no idea what. Spaghetti Actually, arms. I know what it is. Oh, really? What wow. is? It? Yeah, it's a it's Light a group us. that does uh, conversions for cars for people that are disabled from the waist oh. down, so that they can uh, drive with their hands. Yeah. Wow, that's actually so cool. That is. Especially because it's like the car club. Oh, the car club does this. <laughs> yeah, the Westcon Car Club. That's awesome. Good for them. Um, also, Wreckfest was postponed um, to Friday, March 23rd from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, because of like, the snow days and all that stuff. Um, there's going to be laser tag, glow-in-the-dark Zumba and yoga, a rock wall, and henna. And food will be provided for free for all Westcon students. Everybody loves all of that. Henna and glow-in-the-dark Zumba. Laser tag? Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't played laser tag since I was like 12. Yeah. In I forget what that place was called. It was like Fun Factor or something. They used to have it. Right. I was my, that was my favorite place. I had my birthday there like three times because they had like roller skating too. <laughs> wow. Throwback Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Throwback Tuesday. <laughs> and then you can go to the spot after you go uh, roller skating. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so there's also... Have you not gone to Dunkin' Donuts yet today? No. <laughs> I thought something can like that. Can you tell? Yeah. I'm like... Again, scatterbrained. Um, anyway. we got to stop giving free plugs to Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, no kidding. I know, right? <laughs> get some money. Sponsored. <laughs> Have you gone to Starbucks today? <laughs> Change it up. Hey, if they give us money to support uh, something here at the university, that would be great. You know what? I just want them to give me Dunkin' Donuts. That's all. Like, as long as they give me like a coffee, like I'm all good. Yeah, <laughs> ask them. Sponsoring them. I don't like Starbucks. Putting that out there. Shots fired. <laughs> I actually, I don't mind their Bantam bagels. I don't know, Bantam bagels or something like that. They're like tiny mini bagels that are just so good. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't, coffee? Mess, I don't mess with their coffee. Wow. I like, I think it's kind of strong. I don't know why. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I don't know. I literally have just like coffee with like a little bit of skim milk. And it's still like when a coffee's too strong that I can't even like, ah, I don't know. Maybe when I get... A little older, I'll like it. Yeah, when you turn 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> the colonial calendar for um, like Westcon Athletics. Uh, tonight, or today at 4 p.m., there's men's lacs at Manhattanville. Uh, Wednesday, uh, there's women's lacs versus Smith College at 7 p.m. That's cross country. I mean, cross, uh, lacrosse. Yeah, or, lax, lacrosse, sorry. Right. Um, uh, Friday, there's men's lacrosse uh, versus St. Joseph's. 
um, in at 1 p.m. And then Sunday, there's women's lacrosse um, versus Fitchburg State in Florida. Wow. Sounds like we'll crush them. Yeah. Hopefully. And then there's baseball versus Washington College at 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Um, and then softball at Whittier at 12 p.m. and 2 p.m. It must be spring. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like have to like mentally prepare myself, too, if I end up graduating to, like, I'm done. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I haven't been in that mindset and like it's creeping me out. Like it's. You mean getting a job and things like that? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I found out yesterday that it was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. So like, I've just been like contemplating everything, figuring out what I want to do. And it's just. Have you told your dad yet? No, <laughs> no, I haven't told him. He might have something to say about it. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, one of like the contingencies is to, if I can graduate, might be like dropping my minor because I have two classes left to take, and that would put me over the, like, eight credits that you need or something mm. like that. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I haven't even spoken to my advisor yet. It's kind of just, like, a big ball of, like, frustration at this point. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like, know what's going to happen. That's why I'm kind of probably, like, haven't had my coffee. I'm a little off. But, okay, so CSI, <laughs> the Honor Students of Compassion, um, has having a trip to the American Museum of Nature, Natural History. Wow. Natural history on March 24th and tickets are on sale now $25 for Westcon students and $50 for guests um, To see the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Isn't the museum like free though? It's like donations. I think they started charging. I'm not sure. I don't think so So, there's really? maybe a little bit yeah. of so maybe it's just the bus trip then yeah, and the coffee. So if you're a Westcon student <laughs> If you're a Westcon student, like it's definitely worth it. So you can like go yeah. down in a bus and everything. Not so much if you're a guest because you can just take a train for less than fifty bucks. Yeah. But you know. Whatever. Honor students of compassion are awesome. So. Yes. Uh, okay. Also, there is a save the date for Western Day of Service. Um, it's April twentieth, um, and you can register with um, Westcon Rec has like a link and everything. Um, over six hundred volunteers last year helped 47 not nonprofit organizations in the greater Danbury area from reading to elementary school students, painting stairwells and like sorting through different things. Um, I actually did Western Day of Service, I think my sophomore or freshman year. I think I did, I'm pretty sure I did it twice. Um, and like we painted the old, my old middle school actually, no or my elementary school. Hmm. Um, it was, what is the name? South Street School, I think it's called. I don't remember. I went to like so many cause I moved around a lot, hmm. but I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive that was South Street School in Danbury. And we painted like my old cafeteria, which was so cool. Like I just walked around and like met my old principal and everything. Like it was really cute. That is cool. That's uh, a great day too, because students, they say 600 students go out and uh, throughout Danbury and it's uh, very impressive. Yeah, it's really, really fun. And that's the same day as the inaugural ball for the Student Government Association. Wow. Um, oh, the first ball for the SGA? Um, well, we have it every year. Oh, you do? Why yeah. is it called? An, oh, because you're inaugurating. A, yeah, the new um, e-board. So by that point, I'll know, like, obviously, <laughs> if I'm, um, I'll obviously be there regardless because I have to either transition someone or be Give the crown to the next SGA, yeah. SVP. Or be <laughs> SVPR. <laughs> Isn't that what it is? It's VPS. Oh. <laughs> SVPR. Student Vice President <laughs> person. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be there regardless because... It's a great time. Mm-hmm. And um, you get to dress like all fancy and like a gown and everything. I'm pretty sure it starts at six. 
we're gonna have like publicity for it as the date comes a little closer but it's open to students so as long as i mean the sga gets like first picks obviously because they have to be there um because they have to be there Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get like inaugurated but that's actually when i got my award last um wait was it it was either at the oh wait i don't know okay so i I got i think it was either at the inaugural ball or the leadership banquet they do like superlatives i'm pretty sure it's the inaugural ball i got um as a senator before i uh, actually yeah it was definitely when i got inaugurated i got but i was still a senator at the time Mm -hmm. um I got an award. It was like my superlative was most likely to retake a class for getting a B. <laughs> it was really funny. That is a good trait. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, it's totally so true though. Like that's what I was gonna do with like if I stay if I um, end up like not graduating. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what I'm gonna do. Like I have like in my freshman year, like I had just transfer. I had just come in, um, and like I had gotten into like all these like big schools and I was hoping to go to them and I was just kind of bummed mm-hmm. that I came to WestCon, which is just a lot of the experience for everybody because I didn't know the potential that it had mm-hmm. until later. Obviously now I'm really happy that I'm here, but at my first semester, I was like really depressed about it. Like I just didn't want to be here. Um, I was like the basic commuter student, so mm-hmm. I didn't really focus a lot and I have like at least, I have like one B minus, which is like not all right wow. for me. Yeah. And then a B. And then those are the two classes that I'd retake, like my senior year. Like that's probably what I would do. So that's why you don't have a 4.0 now? Yeah, GPA? that's that's why. Because my freshman year, that's why. Wow. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you retake it, it wipes out the original grade? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You can do that with any class. But at the same time, you don't want to do it with like all of your classes. So, I mean, because one, this, the original grade stays on your transcript. just doesn't get calculated into your GPA. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Plus, no one looks at your GPA once you get on. It's nice to say I have a 4.0, but other than that, it doesn't really matter. Really? Mm-mm. They don't look at your GPA when you like get jobs and stuff? No. Why do I care? <laughs> what? How do I not know this? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> wow, okay. It's good to get A's. Keep getting A's. Well, but I don't know a... now. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, oh, don't God. tell your dad that I told you that. Oh, my God, you just blew up my whole life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aside from getting my dreams torn <laughs> to shreds, <laughs> my close to 4.0 counts for nothing. <laughs> you know, the same thing happened to me when I was in middle school. My mom was like, your grades are going to count. They're going to look at middle school. And I, I would, like, cry when I got, like, a bad grade in middle school. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, oh, you have to do it or else you're not going to have good grades in high school. And so my middle school transcript is, like, I don't even know if there's a transcript. But, like, I just, if it was, like, like you know, like, G for great or something, like, I had all Gs. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then high school is the same thing. Like, I guess it's all a scam. Everything's a lie. I mean, <laughs> the attitude's good, though. Employers <laughs> like the a- attitude. This has been Existential Crisis with Barbara V. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. This is literally my existential crisis today uh, and yesterday. But if we brought in coffee, it would be a whole different story. Yeah. It'd just be happening faster. Oh, <laughs> Spiraling down. <downward. laughs> it's like, I like take this up, like, don't air this episode so future employers can't see that I'm crazy. <laughs> just a little. We're live today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are we live today? No. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> uh, don't forget that there's Chuck's Dodgeball Tournament uh, March 24th. It's a Saturday. And you check in at 1.30 and 2 p.m. you start. It's co-ed, six-on-six, double elimination in the Berkshire Gym. If they don't have a 1,000 people there, 
there's something wrong because we've been talking about that for every <laughs> week for the last six weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can sign up at imleagues.com by March 22nd. So, Good. until two days before. Um, also, spring break is coming up. Thank God. Obviously, I need it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the spring break gym hours mm. I have, just in case, you know, there's some gym people out there. <laughs> um, the West Side Campus uh, is closed Friday, March 9th to the 17th, but the Midtown Campus is open 11 to 4 p.m., um, Monday, March 12th to March 16th, and then it's closed on Saturday, March 17th. So if you want to go to the gym, you have to go to Midtown. So no, uh, March 17th is St. Patrick's Day on a, on a Saturday, <clears throat> uh-huh. so there'll be no little uh, leprechauns running around in green hats around here. Yeah. Which yeah. is good. And I think last, I don't remember if it was on Friday, I think last year, probably, because it's like, yeah. it's always the day before, right? Yeah. It's pretty good that it's on a Saturday, because um, everyone goes to like the, the parade and everything. I went to the parade last year for the first, I think it was the first time I've ever gone. In New York? Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, but it wasn't like all it's crowded to be. Yeah. It was just a lot of drunk people like in the streets. And then like, you have to like work your way towards the front of the thing so you can even see the parade. Right. But it's pretty cool, you know, there's like um, all of like the, what's it called? The, the floats. Like oh, that. the bands, marching bands. <laughs> the, what is it called? The, the that bagpipes. Yeah, the bagpipes. Yeah, that's cool to see firsthand. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's horses too. That's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't get a sound effect? Like your bagpipes noise? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to make a horse sound. I've actually like, I've, I've never ridden a horse. Wow. I, it's weird. I totally wish I did. I feel like it's fun. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. I think this is my favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it's so scattered. Oh, my brain is just coming out today. Like, hey. it's like we're doing it. Barb. It's more entertaining that way. Yeah, we're doing it Barb style. Like scattered. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this one's laid out. Um, Okay, so they also Alpha Delta Pi um, today, March 6th at 8.30 p.m. Um, in the Midtown Student Center Theater, they're going to have their annual, their sixth annual, Buy a Pie. Hmm. <laughs> um, the proceeds benefit Ronald McDonald House Charities and the Alpha Delta Pi Foundation. You know, I realize I'm not totally sure if they're selling pies or if they're selling I mean, they're not selling themselves, but you know that there's another, there was another event. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like the, I think it was like, like pick a teak or something something. I forget what it's called, but I was there. I like, I saw, like I briefly saw it in the theater and they were like auctioning, I think like a date or something, 24 hours with like a teak member or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if it's, that's actually something you probably want to look into. Maybe show up to find out if you're mm-hmm. going to get a pie or an Alpha Delta pie. <laughs> um, cause not that's, for 24 hours though, right? That would be illegal. Um, I, is it? I have no idea. Yeah, indentured servitude? I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was just like, I don't know. I think with the guys it was like, you got to like go out and like have a good time or something like go to like, I don't know. Sky Zone <laughs> or something. Yeah, I have no sounds idea. Sounds like fun. Um, but should be fun. And then any questions, you know, if you have any questions, you can email ETA, ETA period O period PD at gmail.com. It's on their, um, it's on, on CSI Western's um, Instagram too, if you want to like 
message them or something because it's a little confusing. I'm not sure if those were periods or if they were spaces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty cool event. Yeah. And then lastly, there's a PAX Broadway trip. Tickets are on sale now, and the trip is on March 24th. Um, students are $30, and guests are $75, and that's to see Wicked. Um, the Midtown bus leaves at 9.30 a.m., Westside leaves at 10, and then you're in New York City at un- until like 8 or a little. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. 30 bucks to see a Broadway movie and to spend the day in New York. Pretty great. Yeah. So how did your big event, your town meeting go? That went well. I, I liked it. I was expecting like more people, but it turned out like I actually, so I hadn't gone to a town hall before that hmm. um, because I was, I was kind of like not a newly elected senator, but they didn't really do a lot of town halls when I was a senator. Mm-hmm. So I only got, I didn't really get to see any of them. Um, I think they might have done one and like I didn't, I wasn't able to go. But our president, Carlos, he um, told me that that was like one of the best like, um, what is it, outcomes or like turnouts mm-hmm. that he had seen for a town hall. Well, that's great. Awesome. Um, so it wasn't as many people as I thought would be there, but it definitely was enough people to like make a difference. And there was like, 50 people there, I thought. Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure. Like, because the theater is, is seats 170. Mm-hmm. So any number below like 100 just kind of looks a little off. But honestly, like I was so happy with everyone that was there and it was so, it was such a good town hall, I thought, because the panelists were just incredible and they were so um, educated, obviously, Mm -hmm. on everything that they had to say. Um, And it was really cool. people asked questions? Yeah, yeah. There were questions and there were a lot of anonymous questions. That was actually something that Jasenia brought up to me because I hadn't even thought of it. And she was like, you know, some people, because of the touchy topic, they might be scared to ask questions. So why don't we have anonymous questions? Mm-hmm. And that was something we just threw together like the same day. Hmm. And so it was so cool because that was the majority of the questions that came from. It came from oh, anonymous it did. questions. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it was about financial aid for DACA students, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot of information about how students could help um, themselves and how they could support like the cause and that kind of thing. Can I get students for a dream? Had um, like petitions there and that kind of thing. So, and um, Westcon without borders is a huge thing too. Yeah, it's yeah. like because that's our new club. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think we've talked about it. Yes. Um. So it's basically like if you want to get involved, it's like ways to do that is through clubs on campus, CT for D. Um. You know, just becoming aware and educated on the topic, so you're not like spouting incorrect information at people. Um. So yeah. I noticed that when you introduced everybody, you didn't mention the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I should have done that. Yeah, you want everybody to listen. I I forgot to even say my name. I don't know if you noticed. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't introduce myself. I was just like, "Hi, thanks for coming," and I didn't even mention the SGA until the end. I literally was like, "Thanks to the panelists and the audience and the moderator," and that's it. And I walked out. And then I sat down. and I was like, "I didn't say my name. I didn't say the podcast. I didn't say SGA. I didn't say anything." So then when I went back, I finally was like, "All right, maybe I should mention my name and (laughs) mention it like that." I'm. Yeah, so yeah. I thought I could wing it because Izzy used to wing it, and he's yeah. just a professional. Like I shouldn't have like just thought I could wing it. So, well, it's your first one. You yeah. did seem a little nervous. Did I? Yeah, yeah, I totally was. Running around, you know, in your high heels. Yeah, I just we ha- we started a little late because I had um, senators go to this library and stuff, and like you know, I I almost like I wasn't sure that was a good idea. I mean, I I realized after I sent them, so I sent um. Micklin Kathias out to with a megaphone to yeah. the library to go get people and then um, I think it was Dennis that was like 
I don't think that's allowed. Like, I think that they're not going to like that very much. <laughs> and then everyone was like freaking me out saying, you're going to get him expelled. Like, you're going to get him like in trouble. And I'm like, it's worth it. It's for the cause. <laughs> I was like, he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's on him. <laughs> like, not me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything was fine. Did he, he use the, bull, the bullhorn in the library? I'm pretty sure he did. Like wow. he took it with him and he got a lot of people to come. When he came back, there was like at least 10 people with him. So <laughs> oh, that's great. It's a good tactic. Maybe not all the time, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and we also had an IOU. It's like secret. So I don't know if you guys know this, but mm -hmm. the SGA funds. So every once in a while, there are secret events, secret dates, because we don't want to publicize it, obviously, or else the SGA will go broke. Um, but um, so the SGA will fund breakfast at Einstein's or Daily Grind for like an hour. So right now, uh, like this year, instead of doing like a time period, we're doing like a dollar amount. So the SGA will fund like up to $400 worth of food, two items per student on random days. So um, the I think it was like two weeks ago, that was our first date, like the end of February was our first date. And it was really cool. It lasted like around two hours mm -hmm. and people didn't know about it. So it was cool. Like they just show up and they'd be like, oh, like, wow, SGA, they, like SGA's got you covered. It's, it's like great I owe you. It's mm -hmm. on us. So it's, it's on SGA. We have, uh, I can say how many we have left. We have three left in the semester. Um, can't tell you when, but there's, um, they're broken up between the Daily Grind and Einstein's. Hmm. So it should be really fun. And would they pay my coffee too or not? Um, yeah, I think so. Mm. Especially because you're, you know, any Western like student or alumni or like yeah, use my ID card. So. Yeah, as long as you have an ID, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can spill the beans that it was supposed to be tomorrow was the next one. Yeah, but it won't be because we're gonna have a snow day, and even if we don't have a snow day, I've rescheduled it just in case. Okay, good. Um, so yeah. All right. That's really fun. I actually didn't get to, I didn't get to get a coffee the first time because I was in class. <laughs> I like had half a mind to just leave class, go get a coffee. And yeah, come no back. kidding. But I decided to be a good student, <laughs> <laughs> and it bit me in the butt because I didn't get a coffee. Yeah, and your grades don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have just gotten a coffee. <laughs> should have just gotten a coffee now. <laughs> ah, so that's it. There's uh, then spring break is coming up, and then after that, there's a bunch of other stuff that we can talk about after. Are you coming in for spring break to do our podcast? Um, I don't know. She's saying no, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow. I, think, I mean, because there aren't any events that week, right? Cause, yeah, no, that's true. You know, everyone's away. We don't really talk about events that much, though. So. Yeah, we just talk about how Barbara's life is just yeah. crazy turmoil of events. <laughs> and how sometimes, you know, SG, I mean, events happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hopefully next by after spring break once I've relaxed a little bit <laughs> and because really, all of this is all coming around the same time that I we have midterms mm. so this whole week is just crazy so that's why I'm a little crazed yeah <laughs> but as hopefully, you should be that's what good students do yeah after spring break I'll hopefully just be in my zen mode <laughs> relax a little bit yeah so that reminds me of something I was thinking about. You can listen to podcasts that are very highly produced, like on NPR, and they go out and interview a bunch of people and find, uh, you know, find the murderer. Yeah. Or you can listen to a lot of podcasts that are out there. They're famous people or they're nobodies, but they're really boring. Just mm -hmm. people spilling their brains out there, and they're <laughs> horrible. Uh -huh. Or you can have a podcast like ours, which is interesting and fun. And yeah. you learn about stuff that goes on in Westcon and Danbury. And you learn about Barbara's life. 
I think it's a perfect combination, and that is why. It's yeah, it's authentic. We want people to subscribe at iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, but we also want to hear, have some of our tens of listeners. Um, rate us <laughs> and give us a five, right? Because nobody's done that yet. And it's about time for a listener, especially your friends. They yeah. all claim to be listening to the podcast. You've never gotten a five? No, we've never gotten any rating. Oh. We need to get rated. Yeah. All right, I'll get on that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, keep listening every week because that's what we do here at... Uh, Westcon with Barbara Viegas. I'm Paul Steinmetz and our executive producers, Pete Puccio and Scott Fulpe. And that's it for this week. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>